This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. All right, I'm going to jump in. For those that maybe missed last week, we started a brand new series called Rooted. Uh, half the youth group are off at a conference to, uh, this weekend, literally Friday, Saturday, coming home this afternoon. And the title of that conference is called Rooted. So I kind of thought, man, what an appropriate way just to kind of land on this theme. And so last week we talked about this concept of planting, that God wants to plant his kingdom thoughts, his kingdom seeds into your life. And obviously the goal is not just to plant something, but to actually harvest it. And so our fourth week is going to be about harvesting. But today we're going to talk about how God grows those seeds that are planted, how he grows us up. And so just as a reminder that definition for the word rooted literally means established deeply, firmly planted, or fixed in place. It means strong, irresistible, sturdy, difficult to destroy. How many want that in their life? Awesome. I don't know about you, but as soon as I read that definition, it jumped off the page at me because I realized at different times in my life and in different moments in my life, and sometimes from one moment to the next moment in a given day, my life is not so sturdy. It's not so strong. And I think the one thing that God has been reminding me is that when we allow ourselves uh, to just come under His rule and His reign, growth in Jesus is absolutely unavoidable. And so just know that's what God's heart is. I shared a thought last week, just a little statement uh, that I kind of want to revisit just to start off this week. Uh, this morning, and I said this, your growth in God is directly related to the condition of your heart. Your growth in God is directly related to the condition of your heart. How many have ever been around a toxic person? How many have ever worked with a toxic person? How many know that the entire atmosphere of the workplace changes because of one toxic person? All right. <laughs> Some of you are like, please don't look at me because I could be that person. <laughs> you know, look away, look away. All right, all right. It's like when you're asking someone to go up to the whiteboard and do something for them, and then everyone looks down. You know how that goes? And they hide behind the person in front of them. Uh, but I want you to know this morning, God wants to partner with you in this journey. He doesn't want to just put all of the onus and responsibility on you for growth. He is equally, and I would say even more committed to the process than you are. I want you to just listen to this powerful, powerful passage of Scripture that describes what I'm going to call this morning Jesus growth and what it looks like. Are you ready for this? And I'm actually going to divide this whole little passage into five, if you can call it steps or stages or phases, whatever you want to call it. But it's in Ephesians chapter 3, and it's starting at verse 17 down to verse 19. And I'm going to read from the Amplified Bible. And for those that are maybe newer to church, there's many different versions of the Bible. And the Amplified Bible is a very interesting Bible because what it does is it tries to capture the full meaning of the Greek, the Aramaic, and the Hebrew language. In other words, it expands it to such a degree that it captures every thought. So if you get like a NIV Bible, it's about this thick. If you get an Amplified Bible, it's about this thick. I'm exaggerating, of course, but, it's, but it feels like that when you have to carry those things around. And this, this version actually became pretty popular in the late 80s, early 90s, because Joyce Meyer, for those that 
love to listen to Joyce Meyer, this is the version she primarily uses. I know she's used some different things in the last 10 years, but this was why this version actually became famous, was Joyce Meyer. So it's literally taking these picture languages, the Greek and the Hebrew and the Aramaic, and it's expanding it so that we get as full and as amplified of a picture as possible. So I'm going to read it. Are you ready? Verse 17. May Christ, through your faith, actually dwell, settle down, abide, make his permanent home in your hearts. There's step one to Jesus' growth. Make sure that he is abiding and has a permanent place in your house, called your heart. Step two, may you be rooted deep in love and founded securely on love. There's one thing that Sandra and I have have realized in our parenting journey. Um, Not that we're perfect, we're far from it. Sandra's as close to perfect as there is, and I'm the one that drags her down, really, often, most days. Um, But here's what we've learned. We've realized that when we are loving each other, the security of our kids' love goes off the charts. And then some people come, well, what about a single parent? And my response is, when you love Jesus with all your heart, and he is the focal point of your life, and the security of your love to God actually produces the same type of security and love with your children. And here's what I've realized. Children thrive when they feel secure. Children thrive when they feel protected. Children thrive in routine. Uh Uh-oh, I said it. Some people are like, oh, no, we just wake up. Whatever happens, happens. Like, children thrive in routine, in secure love. So step one, make Jesus a permanent place in our home. Step two, we're going to be rooted in the secure love of God for us, which is unstoppable, unshakable, there no matter what. That kind of love. Verse 18, that you have the power and be strong to apprehend and grasp with all the saints, which is God's devoted people, the experience of that love, which is the breadth and length and height and depth of it. So what's that next phase? That next phase of Jesus' growth is actually continually experiencing that secure love of the Father. How many know that kids love to be reminded that they're loved? If there's one thing that goes on in our house consistently is the word love. We tell each other we love each other all the time. Like there's, there's moments in our house where Abby just, she's so cute. For those that don't know our youngest, she's, she's ridiculously cute. The problem is she absolutely knows it. And she knows that the spotlight is on her at all times. But she's not satisfied in just telling you that she loves you. She will grab your cheeks and the side of your face and pull it together and pull it right up close to her face and say, no, Dad, you need to understand, I love you. And I'm like, thank you. (laughs) And then I'll grab her cheeks and say, honey, I love you too. Sometimes we underestimate the simplicity of love. That you don't have to earn it. That love has already been given. That he, Jesus loves you so much that he has never stopped pursuing you. And he will never stop pursuing you. 
Some of us don't like it because it's like, God, could you just leave me alone for one day? Come on, go away. I want to live in my sin. Come on, let's be honest here this morning. Some of us just prefer to live like the devil (laughs) some days. But God keeps pursuing. Why? Because love pursues. Secure love pursues. It's how he works. It's how he functions. All right. Verse 19. That you may really come to know practically through experience for yourselves. Not to hear someone else's story. Not to hear someone else's testimony. How many of you have ever heard moments in church, let's be honest, you don't have to raise your hands, where you hear these amazing testimonies and you go, well, that's great. Well, yeah, it happens for them. It doesn't happen for me. And you may not say it out loud, but you're thinking it. So what's he saying? Step four of this Jesus growth is that you actually experience it for yourselves over and over and over again. What is he talking about? The love of Christ experienced over and over and over again, which surpasses mere knowledge without experience, that you may be filled, step five, filled continually. Ephesians chapter five says to be continually filled with Christ, to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Through all of your being, not just one part of your life, but through every part of your life. Unto all the fullness of God. Are you telling me that we are supposed to be so full that it will be like full like God? Now that's a theological question for another day. I'll answer that one another day. But there's a point of what Paul's trying to say. He's basically saying, don't just get filled up and rinse it out and then not get filled up again. How many have ever gone through seasons in your Christian journey where you feel dry? Okay, I've been there. Or it's like you're looking for anything and nothing's coming. But this word in Ephesians chapter uh, 3 here, and the word that's actually repeated in Ephesians chapter 5 about being continually filled, it literally means to be filled to the fill, to be full and filling all the time. It's infinitum. It just keeps going. It doesn't end. So it's basically saying... Just stand under the waterfall and just keep giving out. Take it in, keep giving out, take it in, keep giving out. How many have ever gone on the Maid of the Mist? It's like standing on the edge of the Maid of the Mist as close to the falls as you possibly can without the jacket. Without the rain jacket. And it's just constant. That's what God sees in this equation. That's what he's saying is Jesus growth. Just keep receiving the fullness and may have the richest measure of his divine presence. Hello. When God's presence is, everything else changes. Amen. So I'm going to just share with you this morning very briefly, because I don't have a lot of time, but very briefly, a couple of basic lessons that we can learn here about growing in Jesus, or what I'll call today Jesus growth. Amen. So lesson number one, Jesus growth is a result of an encounter and environment. Jesus' growth is a result of an encounter and environment. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 to 7 says this, and now, just, uh, and now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down deep in him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. I want to start with this first thought, that your Jesus' growth um, uh, literally is a result of an encounter. How many have ever had a divine encounter with Jesus or the presence of God that absolutely wrecked you? How many wish it was daily? 
How many know that life sometimes sucks it out of you? You know what I'm saying? Okay. But there's a word here that I want you to catch. It says, and now, just as you accepted Christ. Say accepted. How many have ever had a Google Calendar request? Right? From a friend, from work, whatever. And it gives you three options as to what you do with the invitation from Google Calendar. You can say yes. You can say maybe. Or you can say no. And literally... What Jesus has done is he's literally sending you not a Google calendar invitation, but a God encounter invitation. And he's sending it to your address every single day. And you have the the choice to say yes to it, to say maybe, or to say no. It says, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord. It doesn't say as your Savior. This is interesting. It doesn't say cry out to Jesus when you're stuck and once you, he kind of saves you from your mess, then you can just go back to living without Jesus. No, he says the moment that you accept an encounter with Jesus that means that he becomes the Lord, the master, the captain of your ship, then everything changes and Jesus' growth happens naturally goes on to say you must continue to follow him. And then it says in verse 7, let your, ro- uh, your roots grow down deep into him and let your lives be built on him. To encounter Christ is to encounter change. Because we are in an encounter influencing one another and he's not going to be negatively influenced by you Which means if we surrender to the encounter, the only thing that's possible is that Jesus' growth, we become more like Christ, happens. So when we accept this Jesus' encounter invitation, Jesus' growth happens. Amen. The second thought is this. Jesus' growth is a result of it, also of environment. And it's interesting in this word here is it uses in the very last verse of Colossians chapter 2 here, verse 7, it says... Uh, then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. What's the environment? Thankfulness. Absolute gratitude. I don't know about you, but in that environment, things happen for the good. And then I looked it up. I love looking up the words and the different meanings. And for those, again, that are maybe new to the faith, the Old Testament, for the most part, was written in Hebrew. The New Testament, for the most part, was written in Greek with a little bit of Aramaic kind of thrown in. But what was interesting in this particular word here is the word that is used that we get the word thankfulness from is actually the Greek word eucharista. How many are Catholics, Catholic background? As soon as you hear that, you're going to go, the Eucharist. Oh, cool. Well, Catholics get it, and they understand the Eucharist is communion with God. They understand that that would be taking communion together. That's the Eucharist, right? It means literally gratitude, a giving of thanks, rejoicing, an act of worship. But there was one other meaning that caught my attention. When you look up this word in the Greek, one of the the, the meanings of the word eucharista is grateful language. And I was like, oh, that's cool. So it's not just thinking it, it's also declaring it. So in other words, your language creates an environment that your heart lives in. I'm going to say it again. 
Your language creates an environment that your heart lives in. Think about the tone of your house. Think about the tone. Think about the tone and the atmosphere, the environment that you're creating with your words in your workplace. Some people always say, oh, you know, it's just so hard, it's so hard, it's so hard. I was in a brutal environment many years ago at work, and there was 83 people that were working at this place, and it was brutal. It got to the point where I'm like, I am not going to the lunchroom ever again. How many have had those moments? It's like, I refuse to go back into that lunchroom. And then I literally sat in my desk having my lunch for six months, and then it was literally like God knocked on the door of my office and said, um, hey, Cameron, yeah, I want you to go back to the lunchroom. And I'm like, get behind me, Satan. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sorry, it's you, God. (laughs) I'm sorry. Okay. Because I want you to go back into the lunchroom. And in my head, it's like, over my dead body. (laughs) Yeah, right. I'm not going in there. There's no way I'm going in there. And he goes, I've called you to be light. God, there's another person on the staff that claims to be a Christian. Go ask them. He's like, I'm asking you. But I don't want to. (laughs) I don't want to. Lord, can it be any other way? I went on the cross. You can do this. Oh, no, no, no. And so he literally said, Do you want a different environment? You create it. He said, but there's 82 others. All it takes is one. But what happens if it just blows up? I'm good at cleaning up messes. Oh, it's like he's got an answer for everything. It's like, come on. Can I just get one little dig something where you don't have a comeback? Because it's too bad. I already know what you're thinking. Get out of my thoughts. Ah, you know, okay, all right. Woo. But Matthew 12, verse 34 says this For what has been stored up in your hearts will be heard in the overflow of your words. So then I started coming in. And I'm going to be honest with you this morning. And uh, the one, I actually did have another very strong believer that was in the office, she was my boss. And I'm so grateful for her. She, God, was, God put her there. And one morning, she actually called me into her office because she noticed what I was doing, that I was avoiding everyone and everything. And she called me into her office. And she, as soon as I got in, she said, shut the door behind you. I'm like, okay, I'm going to shut the door behind me. Sit down. I'm like, okay. He goes, I'm taking my manager hat off for, this, for a second. And I'm going to put my sister hat in Christ on for a second. And I'm like, okay, are we going to pray? Let's pray. Come on. Lord Jesus, you know, and she's like, I want to tell you something. She's like, yeah? Everyone notices that you pull away from them because it's obvious. You know how those moments where you know you're caught, but you don't want to admit it because then it would give them more power over you? So you're just like, what can I say now that can be the greatest craft dinner distraction noodle in the world? And I looked at her and I went, you're right. She goes, there's two of us and there's 81 of them. 
how about we make a, just a pledge to do something different? And I'm like, okay. I said, can we touch base once a week and just see how we're doing? She's like, I think that would be an awesome idea. So once a week for the next number of months, I would just check in and say, how are you doing? Good. How are you doing? I'm okay. It says, I was in the lunchroom today. It's like, how did it go? I went, oh, it's okay. I said, but I'll try next, next time. And, and it was awesome because we just started to see this potential of an environment change at our workplace. When you start to see the potential of an environment change, it really just starts to stir up hope in you to be able to track with changing your environment for God. Amen? Do you believe that? All right. Lesson two. Jesus' growth works best in God's field and God's building. I'm going to explain this because just by reading that, you're going to be like, whoa, what are you talking about? I'm going to explain it. 1 Corinthians 3, verses 5 to 9, and if, for those that know any kind of history about the Corinthian church, they were an incredibly wild church when it came to the spiritual gifts and an incredibly wild church when it came to their uh, sin life. There was a lot of very creative ways that they were sinning and at the same time trying to operate in the things of God. It was quite the interesting mix. And it says in verse 5, it said, After all, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? We are only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. So these people were coming to them saying, you know, who's more valuable in the kingdom of God? And who's got more influence? And who's doing this and who's doing that? And listen to this. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. I planted the seed in your hearts. That's Paul speaking. And Apollos watered it. But it was God who made it grow. In other words, at the end of the day, if, it's, if God's not involved in this growth process, then we're only going to reproduce ourselves. That's it. But we want to reproduce Jesus. Amen? goes on and says, it's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose, and both will be rewarded for their own hard work. For we are both God's workers, and catch this, and you are God's field, and you are God's building. God's field literally means that he is cultivating or tilling or plowing or caring for that ground. In other words, he is looking after your heart. If you let him. And God desires to cultivate those things in your heart and to see growth happen in your heart. But the second part is, in some ways, equally as important. He says God's building. And again, I want to go a little lesson on the Greek here. It's literally the word oikodomeo. There's no test at the end of this to see if you remember that, but it's oikodomeo. And it literally means to build, to edify, which means to encourage, to promote growth in another. Oikodomeo. So he's literally saying, you are God's growth equation for somebody else. Huh. Where's another time that he uses this passage or uses this word? It's in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 to 22. And it says this, Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Remember, God's word is our foundation. Jesus is our foundation. Amen? And here's what I want you to catch. Verse 21. In whom the whole building, what's that word? Oikodomeo. Being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are also being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Here's what's key. The second word is the word suno oikodomeo. It's just adding a different prefix to the front of the word. 
And here's what that word means. It means beside another, with, in union with, doing things together. So he's taking this word to build, or you are God's building, and he's taking it to a whole other level. And he's basically saying, God is literally placing other people around you that are desiring an encounter and an environment that, it, that allows Jesus' growth to happen And if you can find those other people and you work together and you are with them and you are together with them and you're in union with them, then your Jesus growth becomes exponential. Hmm. He doesn't stop there. Ephesians chapter 4. He says this, instead, he's talking to the church and the leaders of the church and he's basically giving them an equation, a formula for growth and maturity. And he says this, Instead, we'll speak the truth in love, truth in love, not truth in anger, not no truth in love, truth in love, right? Growing in every way more and more like, ah, Christ. So the truth in love grows you into being more like Christ. We got two major problems in the Christian church today in North America. We got truth-telling, non-loving churches And we have two lovey-dovey-dovey-doveys, as we call them in our house, with no truth. And neither of them promote growth. I'm going to make a statement, and I hope you read into it, but here's what it, because you can read into it whatever way you want. I'll tell you what it produces, confusion. That's what it produces. Truth in love produces growth, and what growth? Growth to become more like Christ. Amen? All right, where are we going? Who is the head of his body, the church? This is key. He's the head of the body, the church. We're the church. He's the head. We got it? All right. Actually describes the church as the body of Christ, but he's the head of the body. How many know that if you don't have a head on the body, it's dead? Wow. Aren't you glad you were here this morning and learned that? Remember the headless horseman? I got nightmares as an eight-year-old because I heard about the headless horseman. I had to go to counseling for five years to get the picture of the headless horseman out of my mind. All right. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. To fit together. Suno oikidemeo. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of... Here's the problem that I've seen in the world for the last number of years. How many know that not every Christian is a neck. Because that would look like a crazy Frankenstein if the entire church body was only a neck. If there was multiple millions of necks connected to the head. So the problem is, if you are the pinky finger, the nail on the pinky finger on your left hand, and that's you, the only way you get life from the head is if you're connected to the finger bone, connected to the wrist bone, connected to the forearm, connected to the, connected to the shoulder, connected here, connected to the neck, connected to the head. In other words, the life flow of God flows in relationship through the church, the body of Christ. And the moment you've made up your mind, I'm going to do this on my own, and I'm going to just live on my own, and I don't need nobody else, the moment you think that, you're actually deceived. You've given into a deception of the enemy, and the enemy's got you. Because now he can convince you that you can be a God all by yourself. Isn't that interesting? But that's exactly what got him kicked out of heaven. 
Third thought, (laughs) Jesus' growth tests you in order to transform you. James chapter 1, verses 2, 3, and 4, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. And how many have read that verse and went, Lord, can you remove that from the original manuscript, please? Just skip it. No one likes reading it, and I hate when we do a Bible reading plan and we get to James chapter 1. I skip it, I go to chapter 2. It feels better. All right. For you know that when your faith is tested, catch this, your endurance has a chance to grow. It doesn't look like it today, but I actually used to be able to run marathons. I was a skinny, tiny little runt. And then I met Sandra, and she's the greatest cook in the world. That's all I got to say. Woo, yeah, come on. Thank you, Lord. It was awesome. And then I had a desk job. Oh, Lord, help me. But here's what I realized. Is the more that I pushed myself, the more capacity or capability I had. Even though if you asked me when I started, could I run 5K, the first time I ran, I was grateful that I made it down the driveway to the house next door, and I stopped and talked to the neighbor as he was out front, and then came back in 30 minutes later after talking to the neighbor, my mom was like, oh, that was so good. You were out for half an hour. I'm like, yeah, it was, whoo, you know, oh, it was so tough on him. It was so hard, honey, but I made it. (laughs) Yeah. And some of you have done the same thing, so don't judge me. Okay, all right. All right. But the more you push, the more you grow. Why is it people that are in any sports have a partner that they are doing every workout with? Because that other person is pushing them to grow. So coming back to the, you need the body of Christ, find people that are ahead of you. Find people that are stronger in the things that you want to be stronger in and hang out with them. Because it doesn't take long to get, I'm telling you right now, it takes me all of about five seconds to hang out with Scott Mortimer and I'm already doing, oh, yeah, that's going to be awesome. Yay! It's like I could have had a brutal week, and I, I talked to Scott, and I'm like, God's bigger. Because the guy just, that's how he talks. Everything out of his mouth is, God's got it. Okay. And then the, the response, human speaking response is, but you don't know what I'm going through. And Jesus responds and says, I already do. I, I saw it. All I'm asking for you is to call out to me and ask for an encounter. So that the encounter changes your environment. Which changes your words. Which can, actually causes you to connect to the very source of life through the body of Christ to the head, which is me. Why? Because when you're going through tests and I want to transform you, you need people to pray for you and support you and cheerlead you on. If you do not have them, you're going to fall on your face and die. And I don't want that. So the testing always comes as a family. How do I know? Galatians, if someone's going through something, if someone's being burdened, we are to carry the burdens for one another. If someone's going through a great time, we cheerlead them on. Why? Because that's the body of Christ. Verse 4, so let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, growth, you will be perfect and complete. The word for perfect means mature. 
needing nothing. Can I say to you this morning, God does not waste a thing. He uses every circumstance, every situation to grow you up and to get you ready. Why? Because when you are being placed on the mission field, thank you, Gary Bryan, for sharing this morning. When you're being placed in the mission field called your workplace, your school, you are ready because you trust and are secure in the love of God for your life. And even if a test comes, the test will actually transform you rather than destroy you because you are linked up with God and you are linked up with His family. Why is the test there? It's to show your fruit. Sometimes the fruit comes out, it's not too pretty. Don't get discouraged by that. I've had many days where the fruit that comes out is not so pretty. And God's just like, it's okay. Can I work on that? And we have to accept his invitation to work on it. Like a Google Calendar, you're accepting it. I'm accepting that encounter. It proves the fruit. It shows how sweet the fruit can be. This is why the test comes. So let the test transform you into the image of Christ. Can I say from my own experience that God does his best work when we're tested? And you know what it produces? A testimony. And I know the old saying, you can't have a testimony without a test. And it's true. The test is to grow you. Amen? Philippians 1.6, it says this, And I'm certain that God who began a good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. You know, the conclusion I came to many, many years ago is I'm not where I want to be, but I'm also not where I used to be. And God is getting me to where he wants me to be. And I'm totally cool with that. I'm a work in progress. I'm under construction. <laughs> Just like our roads. All right, moving right along. That was my dig on Kingston. Okay, moving right along. Cultivate the soil of your heart. In other words, get ready for God to germinate something powerful. Don't, don't say no and don't even say maybe to the encounter Jesus request. Say yes. And you guys are going to be blown away. Ask God to grow you and embrace the growth as it comes. Second Peter 3.18 says this, but continue to grow and increase in God's grace and intimacy with our Lord Jesus Christ. May he receive all the glory both now and until the day eternity begins. In other words, don't stop growing. Don't stop saying yes to Jesus. Because when you do, the Jesus growth is exponential. Thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our messages from Impact Church. We hope and trust that this message encouraged you. If you want to find out more information about our church, check us out online at www.impactkingston.com.